0: I... Welcome to week six of Remix. Let's do some quick recapping before we jump right back into the Apostles' Creed. Um, Why have we called this series Remix? It's because we've been apart, obviously, um, during this COVID season, and when we start to come back into the building, we're gonna start to remix back into what we used to do, but it's not going to be the same, right? It's not gonna look like it did before, and so a remix is a new sound, from an old song, right? And if you don't know the original, you can't have a remix. If you don't know the original, you're going to end up with a brand new song, and that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to um, make the gospel any better. We're just trying to say, okay, God, you're a God who does new things, and so what does the new sound to the original message of the gospel actually look like right now? And so from the beginning, we understand this, that God's plan was that we would, Fill the earth with his glory. Right before there was ever any sin in the world, God said to Adam and Eve, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And so because they were without sin, every time they had a child, if they had continued along the path that God had planned for them, every child would have been a new creation in God's image, full of his glory. And as they filled the earth, the earth would have been full of his glory. We know that he still desires that. And so his plan from the beginning has been to fill the empty spaces with his glory. And that's the remix that we want to bring back. When we come back into this place, as we begin to come back together after we've been apart for so long, it's going to be a little bit messy, isn't it? It's not going to look like it did before. And I'm telling you right now, if we don't know the message If we're not 100% convinced about the truth of the gospel, then we're going to struggle a little bit. Can I just be really honest with you? A lot of believers in in our country right now, they're struggling because it's not going to look like it did before. Because they've lost the original message that we, me and you, we are the church. This is not the church. This is just the building, y'all. And, and if we don't remember that, then we're going to struggle when we come back in here and it doesn't look like it did before. We are the church. So this, this remix series is about bringing a new sound to an old song. And then and where do creeds fit into that, right? How do creeds fit into the remix? Well, we've said that creeds are like a touchstone. Creeds are like those things that we know for sure, right? Um, uh, One of my favorite examples of a great interview question is Oprah Winfrey. When she asked Michael Jackson on the day he turned 30, she said this, Michael, you're 30 years old. What do you know for sure? That's what creeds help us understand. What do we know for sure? What can we keep coming back to? No matter how crazy things get all around us, what are the truths that we keep coming back to? And so the early church fathers, they developed these things called creeds. We've been talking about the Apostles' Creed. And it's it's a statement, 105 words, that we as believers can keep coming back to over and over and over again. No matter how crazy things get, we can touch that stone. We know this is what I believe, right? And so I've used the, um, the expression from the Panthers, keep pounding. And I know if you're not into sports, you're just like, Paul, leave this thing alone, right? But find your own analogy, right? But for me... When I hear the words keep pounding, that brings all of Panther Nation together. It unifies us with those two words. Now we might not ever all agree on what the team does and how they run things, but we can agree when we hear keep pounding, yes, Panther Nation come together as one to support the team. So the the the, a creed, listen to this, it unifies us around what we all believe instead of dividing us over what Some believe the remix can be messy, and it's in those times that we lean into what we have in common. So the Apostles' Creed, probably the most well-known creed of the early church, and we started looking at it last last week. We're going to finish up today. Let me just give you a refresher of the Apostles' Creed, okay? Here we go, and you feel free to say along with me at home if you'd like to. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Catholic Church. And the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now last week we looked at those first two big sections about believing in the Father and believing in the Son. And this morning we're going to finish this up with the last few phrases that start with, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So let's just start there. Let's walk through the Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Can I just say this first things first? Listen, all Christians believe in the Holy Spirit. Now we may not all agree on how the Holy Spirit operates, but all of us, if you're a Christian, believe that Holy Spirit is God. Now, in the creed, what the what the fathers did, what the early church fathers did was they included this statement about the Trinity, right? So the Trinity is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And listen, the Trinity is one of those concepts that is hard to grasp and hard to explain, right? We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God who we see through three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I think the, the best way to even illustrate this, if, if there is a good analogy, Is that here I stand right now, and I am one man, and at the same time, I am a father, I am a son, I am a husband, I am a brother, I am a friend, I am a pastor, and the list goes on and on. And depending on who I'm relating to and in what role I'm relating to them, what I do is going to be different, right? And so I'm one man, but I, it's expressed in different ways. And so God is the Father, he's the Son, he's the Holy Spirit. We believe in a Trinitarian God. That's a big word, but it just means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit is a force, right? May the force be with you. But he's not a force. He is not an it We know this from Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. There's this story about Ananias who who sold some property. He brought his offering into the church, and he made it look like what he was giving was the whole amount, and he was lying. And so Peter looks at him in verse 3, and he says that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And then Peter follows that up in verse 4 by saying you didn't lie to men, but you lied to God. So Peter equates the Holy Spirit with God. Now, Our church, we believe in the movement of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we are a Pentecostal church. And what that means is we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. That when we come into a place together, whether it's a hundred people, a thousand people, two people, three people, when there are people together, we believe that the Holy Spirit is free to move in that gathering. And He has given us gifts to the body to edify the body and to empower the body for service. We believe this, right? And so sometimes people that aren't Pentecostal, what they'll do is they will say to Pentecostals, hey, 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 don't grieve the Spirit. And what I want you to see is that verse, don't grieve the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, one, if the Holy Spirit is a force, he can't be grieved, right? So he's not. In Ephesians four thirty, it's a warning not to grieve the Holy Spirit. But listen, let me show you what Paul was talking about when that verse Was written. It's in the middle of a section that's talking about Paul's instructions on how the believers at the church in Ephesus were supposed to get along and interact with one another. So he starts it in verse in verse 25. Listen, he talks about putting off falsehood, speaking truth. He talks about being members of one body, not sinning in your anger, not going to bed while you're angry, not giving the devil a foothold. He says, if you've been stealing, how about stopping? Don't do that anymore. You, how about get a job? Do something useful with your hands. Share with people who are in need. He says in verse 29, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. And at the end of that whole section, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Can I just say this as your pastor, right? Error in teaching about the Holy Spirit Is not what grieves the Holy Spirit. Error in how we live together is what grieves the Holy Spirit. He says at the end of this powerful passage about all these things that we're supposed to be able to do for one another that when we don't do those things, that's what's gonna grieve the Holy Spirit. And here's why because Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, both tell us clearly that the Holy Spirit adopts us into a family. What the scriptures say is that by the Spirit we cry out, Abba, Father. So the Spirit of God places us in the family of God. So I now have brothers and I have sisters that I'm supposed to be in relationship with and interacting with. And when I don't interact with them in a way that honors my Father, that is what grieves the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure, listen to this closely, I'm not sure that a church service grieves the Holy Spirit. But I am sure that when a church isn't serving one another, he's grieved. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Second phrase, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, this does not mean that we are pledging our allegiance to the Roman Catholic Church. What this means is that we believe in a universal church. So when the creed was first written, the word Catholic was the word that was used to describe like worldwide, universal, multi-generational, like through all the ages, a universal church. And that is what we believe in. We believe that we are a part of a church that's bigger than me or you or the four walls of this church or any church in this city or state. We believe in the holy Catholic church. All of us want to be part of something that's bigger than we are. And when you and I begin to follow Jesus We become part of a body that is bigger than one generation and bigger than one country. I've got to say this, and I'm praying you don't turn the TV off. God is not American. He's bigger than this country. He's bigger than this place that we live. He is God over all. Not just over this country. He's this church, the church that's universal. We don't say that, hey, we believe in the Holy American Church. We're a part of the Holy Catholic Church, a worldwide church. And here's why that's important. I'm sure you've heard the phrase that are strength in numbers. First Peter 5:9 says this. He's talking to, Peter's talking about when the enemy comes and he attacks us, he's like a roaring lion. And he says this: resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world, that Holy Catholic Church, is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We are a part of a greater church than just what we see here. And we've got to have that global mentality, right? That understanding that, wait a second, we, we are part of something bigger than just Albemarle. Bigger than just the Assemblies of God. Bigger than just the Gathering. Bigger than America, y'all. It's bigger than all of this. And when we say the Holy Catholic Church, that's what we affirm. The creed continues. The communion of saints and the forgiveness of sins. Listen, these are phrases about the entire family of God that are expressed in the local family of God. Communion is not just the act of bread and juice, but communion means coming together, living together, the act of communion in faith and life. Hebrews chapter 10. This is an interesting passage. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, verses 19 through 25. Let me read it to you. Here's what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with Pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now a lot of people will go to that last verse and they will say this, hey hey communion of saints y'all, don't make sure you don't miss church. And there's a lot of truth in that, right? But there's more going on in this passage than just coming to church. Let me walk you through it really quickly. Verse 19, he starts off with brothers and sisters. That's language of family, right? So think communion of saints, we're a part of a family of believers. Verses 20 through 21, he talks about what Jesus did. And in the verses 22 and 23, he talks about what we have because of what Jesus did. And what I want you to see is a three-letter word in verse 24. He starts it with and. And what that means is everything that I just wrote about from 19 to 23 All the good things, we're a part of a family. Jesus, he went to the cross for us. He made a way for us to come to God. And we've got these benefits now that we serve Jesus. You would think that that would be enough. But verse 24 says, and, which means there's more to it than just that. And he tells us that there's there's communion together, that it's a big part of how we find encouragement. Let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, look, there's a lot of talk about what is the day. It's capitalized. It's, he's calling it out. And I believe this, that there's a day coming. And as that day approaches, the return of Jesus Christ, things are going to get even harder for us in this life. And that's when we need one another the most. Do you Stop and ask yourself this question. Why, why does it feel like it's going to be so hard to remix? Why does it feel like it's like everything that's happening right now, the enemy is attaching to it and trying to divide the church? Why? Because the day is approaching and the enemy knows that we need one another. We need to be a part of the communion of saints and when it comes to encouraging each other, is there anything more encouraging than forgiveness? He says the communion of saints and the forgiveness of sins. These are not theories, y'all. This is stuff that we actually live out every time we come together. We need a, a, an environment. We need a DNA. We need an atmosphere of forgiveness in the church. And here's why, 1 John 1.8. Because all of us need forgiveness from God. If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All of us need forgiveness from God, and all of us need forgiveness from one another, right? Remember that verse that we read about um, not grieving the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4, verse 30? So he talks about all these things that happen when we're in community with one another and how we need to be serving one another, and he says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And here's how he continues, verses 31 and 32. Here's how he says we can make sure we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Listen to this. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Man, you and I, we believe in the communion of saints. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. And let's close it out like this, the same way the creed does. We believe in the resurrection of the body and the life of Everlasting, amen. As we end this study in the creed, I want you to remember this. If Jesus rose from the dead, so will we, right? First Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. If Jesus rose from the dead, so will we. We, because we believe in a gospel of hope, y'all. We believe that what's happening in this earth is, it pales in comparison to what's going to happen later. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, Paul says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Here's how I would word it. Whatever we face here is achieving more for us There. So whatever you're facing right now, man, God's using that. We believe in the resurrection of the dead, and we believe in life everlasting, that whatever we're facing here, if we're in Christ, he is using it to achieve a greater glory that will last forever. So let's close this morning this way. Remember our big idea from last week, the big idea that we had about the creeds. The Apostles' Creed helps ground us in truth and guard us from error. So let me tell you the truth, and let me tell you the error. The truth is that there is everlasting life. The error is that there won't be everlasting death, because there will be. If there's everlasting life, if I believe in everlasting life, then that means that there's a possibility of everlasting death. Jesus is going to, what does the creed say? Judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. There's coming a day when he will judge the living and the dead. And I want you to know this, that God doesn't want any of us to perish. He wants all of us to come to life through repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. And this is Peter talking to Christians who were complaining about how long it's taken God to come back and get us out of this crazy life. And he says he's not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He wants you and I to know him. And and he said to do that, You simply need to repent. I hung out with a friend this week, and I loved how he said what repentance is. He said repentance is simply, it simply means to turn right and go straight. Just turn right and go straight. So all it means is to change your ways and go the way that God wants you to go, to turn right and then never turn back. And this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer For any of you watching right now, whether you're at home, whether you're in a car, whether you're on vacation, whether you've been in this church since we started it almost nine years ago, or whether you just joined us for the first time today, I want to lead you in a prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, to repent, to turn right, and continue going straight Because at the end of this creed, when we say amen, that word means so be it. And I want you to be able to say with a full conscience that I believe in the resurrection of the dead and in life everlasting. Amen. I don't want you to even hesitate for a second to wonder if you're going to be with him forever. And so I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, the band's going to lead us in a song. And as they lead us in a song, if you pray this prayer with me, I just want you to spend time with the Lord, and I want you to, at the end of the service, text us and let us know that you've prayed this prayer. But I want to lead you in it right now. Would you close your eyes, and would you bow your heads? Father, in your name, Jesus, I pray right now, all across this city and this county and this state, people that might be tuned in from other parts of the country or even the world, I believe that you have ordained that they would be here right now listening to my voice as I pray and thank you for the sacrifice of your son on the cross. I thank you for all that we've talked about the last two weeks. We believe in God the Father, in God the Son, and in God the Holy Spirit. And I know that right now, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit is leading people to Jesus. And I thank you for the forgiveness of their sins. And I thank you that when we accept what you did on the cross, we can say with confidence, I believe in the resurrection of the dead, that someday my body will be raised back to life. Just like my spirit's coming alive right now, my body will be raised to life and I will experience life everlasting. And we thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, y'all so just again thanks for being with us today um, we're so thankful for those of you that took the time to to log in and especially if you're in a worship circle we just pray that God has blessed you as you've enjoyed fellowship with one another um, listen if you've been here for the first time there is a number and a keyword below us text that to us so we can stay in touch with you and If you prayed this morning to receive Jesus, would you also let us know that by texting that keyword and that number to that number that you see at the bottom of your screen as well. And I want to say personally to you as a church body, thank you so much for being faithful in your giving. I know some of you like to write checks and drop them in the offering box, and so we appreciate even you step outside your comfort zone and, and giving online like maybe you never did before. Um, we have been able to help so many people, serve our city so well, and it's a reflection of you. But more than that, it's glory to God. So thank you so much for your faithfulness and your giving. I pray you just continue to do that. And next week, we'll see you here at the same time, 10 o'clock, here on the same channel. Have a great week.